Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the Word. Well, when I was a kid, I was a tree climbing fool. <laughs> I loved to climb trees from the time, little as I can remember, way back when we first moved back to Missouri from California as a little kid. My grandparents had these awesome, I think they were maple trees, but you know, to me they were about 200 feet high. They were probably 40 feet high, who knows. But man, I could climb trees. Now, as I, as I got better at that, I began to discover, you know, that sometimes to get someplace you had to actually, you couldn't quite reach it, what are you going to do? In a tree, up high, right? You kind of got to get off, go up and grab and hope. <laughs> I mean, you look at it and you think, I should be able to reach that. I should be able to get it. But as long as I stood there and couldn't get it, I might believe all I want. I can get that branch, but if I don't make the jump, that knowledge is useless, isn't it? And then what I realized the hard way is that if you do that to get up, when you come down, <laughs> next thing you know, you're hanging. <laughs> and you have to figure out, how do I do this? And once again, well, I think that branch is going to hold me. I think I can land on. I think I can grab. But once again, knowing that and believing it doesn't do anything until you finally what? Let go and do that. I also learned that... <clears throat> You don't have to have a big branch like this to stand on. I discovered that you can stand on branches that big if you put your foot right next to the, the tree, right? But once again, look and see, is that really going to hold me? Is it going to hold me? Not until I put my foot on it and put my weight on it does that knowledge do anything. Because what we know has to intersect with what we do or it's just random information. It's, it's totally disconnected information until you put it to the test. Now, there's lots of things like that in life, like the brakes on your car, right? Well, I think it should stop, and you hope that it does when you push the, the pedal. Uh, the medicine in the bottle. Right? I got this medicine, and this is it's going to you know, take care of what ails me. I got it, and it's on my shelf. But if I never take it, that information is just disconnected and, and doesn't affect anything. How, how about, some of you, it's hard to remember this, but some of you would be very fresh in my mind. How about asking someone out on a date? Oh, I think that person's pretty cool. Hmm, yeah, I think... I think if I ask her, she'll go out with me. Hmm. It doesn't tell you to do what? Your heart beats fast, and you're breathing your mouth dry, and you finally ask, right? And you, you hope that you, how come, Carol, why are you hitting Ed? I'm talking about asking out on a date. We, maybe we don't want to hear this right now, okay? You might know all about something, but the acid test is when you actually act on what you know and put that what you know to the test to see if what you knew was actually right. 
than what you, you know, can be shown to be true or false or whatever the case may be. There are few places in our lives where this truth is so quickly evident than when we learn what God has to say about money. We hear what God says, you know, we learn it, we get the information, it goes down on the list. But is it really true? Is this just knowledge that we have? Are we, are we going to put it to the test or not? And it's at this intersection of faith, okay? An intersection of faith where both knowledge of the word and submission to God are both required. And it's there that we discover one of two things. When, it, when, it's, when push comes to shove and it's time to do this, we discover either our own weak faith or God's great power, depending on whether we choose to act on what God has said or not. Now, it's also at this intersection where we discover whether money is going to be a good thing in our lives or an evil thing in our lives, because it has the potential to be both, doesn't it? And so we've been talking about how to have your money be good money. Not bad money, not an evil influence, but a good and a positive thing in our lives. And so for money to be a good thing in our lives and not be an evil thing, it's, it's crucial that we take the knowledge that we have gained, the information that we have, and put it into practice. That's the acid test of what we really believe. So far, we've seen that money is good when you value it God's way. You remember, money cannot touch the issues of your soul, can it? Money cannot you know, change your heart. Only God can do those things. And so we want to value money, see what it's good for. Also want to understand what its limitations are. We also said that money is good when you use it God's way. And we, we had a whole Bible study lesson on that, too, during the Bible study hour. How, you know, what has God given us our money for? We need to know that and use it accordingly. And then last week, we saw that money is good when you prioritize it God's way. You put it in the proper order, the way God says it ought to be ordered, what it's for and how you use it. That's where we saw seek first, seek first, What? the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he'll take care of all of these other things that you need in order to live a life that pleases him and blesses you. And this brings us to our fourth message, our final message from God's word. Let me say to you, if you are here today and you're a guest the first time, uh, about once a year I take three or four weeks and preach on the subject of money because God has a lot to say about it. And it's, it's so intertwined with all of our lives that really... Uh, dealing with this money, issue of money affects pretty much everything else in our life at some point. And so uh, I don't know where you're coming from or what you've experienced. I know lots of times people feel like churches are just out for money. Uh, we very intentionally are not that way. We like to have money because it means we can do things, right? Uh, but really, I preach the truth of the Word of God to you in this area because you need to hear it. God wants to work in your life and use this in your life to do big and important things. And so I don't apologize for preaching to you, but I just do want you to know if you're a guest with us, don't think, oh, they preach on money all the time. No, we don't. But I will tell you the truth about what God says in his word on money. Do you want me to do that? Well, I'm glad you want me to because I'm doing it. 
Okay, so th this message is, is the, the one that puts all of the others to the test. See, we've got all this information now. And it's a test where we decide whether or not we're really going to act on the things that God says in his word about money. And, and reality is whether money is going to be a good thing or an evil thing in our lives. Because nothing else really tests what we believe about money more than what we want to talk about today. And that is that money is good when you give it God's way. Giving. Giving of our money. This is where, like I said, all these things we know come down to the test. This is where we, we say, am I going to go for that branch or not? Am I, can I stand on this branch or not? This is when we make this decision. And giving brings this right to the forefront in front of us because it's intended to be weekly and weekly activity for us. So every week we will be reminded of what God wants us to do. And we're going to see how it connects to what all of the things that God is doing in our lives. Now, can you shift gears in your brain for a little bit? Do you have enough caffeine to shift gears today? Some of you said no. Well, try hard anyway, okay? As a church, you know, the way we talk about what God has us do as a church, individual Christians and as a church together, we do three things. You remember what they are? They're, they're surrender, grow, and tell, but what do we do? We surrender to the Lord. Can you say that with me? We surrender to the Lord. Second, we grow to be like the Lord. And the third one, we tell others about the Lord. We surrender to the Lord, we grow to be like the Lord, we tell others about the Lord. And we're gonna see how our giving and what God tells us to do about our giving intersects with all three of those. All three of those. So really, again, we're talking about our Christian life, it's all about money affects it all. And whether we're yielded to God in the air of money or not affects it all. So let's turn our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter eight. And I need someone to help me out. Um, I didn't get the page number here. By the way, in case you're wondering, that might sound funny. I want you to know, I do know how to find 2 Corinthians chapter eight in my Bible. I'm not looking for the page number. Um, what is it? 1331. If you're here today and you don't have a Bible with you, or you have maybe a different version you want to try to follow along we're reading, the Bible that's in the pew there, we're going to start on page 1331. We really encourage you to follow along with us. Now, the context for this is that uh, the, the Christians in, in the area of Jerusalem and in Judea there in Israel there was a famine. They were struggling to um, get by and make ends meet. And the gospel had gone out from them all around the world. And so what Paul is doing, he's out there, the Apostle Paul. That's funny, I looked at you, Paul, when I said that, what Paul is doing. The Apostle Paul was out there challenging the churches and sending messages and saying, listen, they sent us the gospel and they need help. So let's collect offerings and we'll take it to them. So that is the context for this. But in this context, we learn some things about giving, what God has to say about giving, how it ought to affect us and our giving. So let's begin here in chapter eight, verse number one. He says, moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy 
and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Now, what, what, what? You know, what's he saying? He's saying, listen, they were in a really difficult time in their lives, but they had joy in the Lord. And even though they were very, very poor, they gave very, very generously. Even though they were poor, they gave generously. Verse number three, for I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. They, they wanted to give. They gave according to their ability. That was what they were able to give, they, as generous as they could. And he's saying they were willing to do more, but they didn't have more. They couldn't do more, but they were willing to do more. They wanted to do more. And he says, this is what they did. They were, verse 4, they were imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Now, I get the picture of this, that Paul, knowing they're so poor, it's almost as though Paul's saying, whoa, 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 wait a minute, you know? You don't have to give that much. I mean, yeah, they need it, but, you know, you need it. Be careful here. He says, no, no, they implored us, please take this. This is what God has put on our hearts to give. We want to give, and we want to be part of what God is doing. Take it. And this is where he says in verse 5, and not only as we had hoped, as we had hoped they would give at some level, but they, they did more than that. He says, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. So he's talking to the, the Corinthians again on that. But notice, verse 5. The reason that they had this joy in giving, the reason they were able to give so generously, the reason they were so convinced that this is what God wanted them to do was because of what it says in verse 5. The middle of the verse. But they first gave themselves to the Lord. But the context of that is what? Taking up an offering, giving. And I want you to understand here that, that on the issue of giving, it is first and foremost an issue of surrendering to the Lord. In fact, giving God's way is where you begin your surrender to the Lord in the area of money. Giving is where it starts for you. Surrender. Lord, we are giving ourselves to you, and we are going to demonstrate this by our giving of our finances and resources. Now, if you're in a race, the foot race, and you say, okay, listen, I see there's the starting you know, blocks, but I'm going to start 20 yards down the way, okay? Does that work? Might work for you, but for nobody else, right? They're going to say no. What if you're in a car race, you know, and you say, I'm going to go out and I'm going to start early. I'm going to go first. Now, where do you have to start? Where do you have to start, folks? The starting line in the beginning, that's right. And what I want you to know is that from what God tells in the word, that your giving is the starting place for yielding your finances to God, yielding yourself to God in the area of money. Giving is where you begin. 
And so giving God's way. Let's talk about what do we mean by that. And, and we've been looking at it in our Bible lessons in here and in the other class. I know they've been talking about it. So let's just do kind of a quick review here. When we talk about giving God's way, we're talking about giving off the top. In other words, this is the first part of your money. Giving God's way is not you know, doing your whole budget, putting all the money in there, paying the bills, and maybe doing some things that you want to do, and finally say, do we have any money left over to give God? That's not giving God's way. Giving God's way as you sit down and look, okay, here's all the money that's come available to us for us to use. We're going to give to God first before we do anything else with it. And so we're talking about all the money that you have earned or is given to you. Off the top, you give to God. By the way, for me, uh, for my family, we have come to the conclusion that this means even before taxes, okay, for us, because I thought about that one day and realized, you know what, who comes first in my life, God or government? Well, the Bible's pretty clear, isn't it? That God comes before government in our lives. And so for, for us, in our giving, we decide, you know, we want to give off the top before the government gets its share. Now, I know they already got their hands on it, okay? But really, that's what you earned, was that top. Now, so I... I can't find anywhere here that God tells you what I just said, okay, exactly? But I think the principle is true. But off the top is absolutely true from the word. And so I challenge you to, to give that way. And then secondly, it is a fixed percentage, this idea of giving God's way. It's a fixed percentage. The Bible tells us actually over in chapter 9, if you were to look at it, that you and God need to get together and make a decision about what he wants you to give. And the principle throughout the Bible is proportional. If you get a lot of money, you should give a lot of money. You make a little money, you should give a little money. You make no money, you have no money, you can't give any money, right? In fact, later on in one of these verses, I don't think we'll read it today, but talks about it's accepted by God according to what you have, not what you don't have. But the idea is setting a fixed percentage. You get together with God, you spend time with him, and say, God, what do you want us to give? And you come up with percentage. I've never given before. I'm going to start with 1%. All right? I think I can do better. I'm going to do 3%. I'm going to do 7%. Well, the, the examples in the Bible are 10% or more. That's the principal examples that we see in the Bible. But it's a fixed percentage. That, that means that every week, off the top, you're going to take that percentage. And like I said, I, I would encourage you to start at 10%. Uh, it's a biblical example. It's a great place to start. You might say, well, I don't think I have enough faith to give that way. Well, maybe you're focusing on the wrong things. I guarantee if you focus on all the bills that are coming in and you focus on the, the things that could go wrong in life, you're going to say, I can't afford to do this. But if you focus on God, who's the one who actually provides you the money, God, who is the one to, who able to meet your needs, you focus on him, Oh, now this starts to make more sense. You can trust God to provide. Now think about this. Your decision in this area, whether or not you think you can trust God to provide, it, it really says what you believe about God. About God. Because do you really believe that God is able to provide your needs? Is he able? Is he? Okay. Is he good and trustworthy? He is. 
And so you see, your response in the area of giving is going to say what you really believe about those things, whether or not you believe God is good and, and trustworthy and able to provide for you. Now, if you do find yourself struggling, which, which comes first, faith or giving? Which comes first? Either. Either. You know, we saw this principle, you know, where your treasure is there, your heart will be. By the way, where your heart will be there, your what? Treasure will be... Okay, same with this idea of faith and giving. If you have faith, express it through giving. If you're lacking faith, learn it through giving. You know, if you want to have faith, have you ever, ever met anybody, you said, wow, that person really has faith? They really trust God. That could be you. And, and one of the greatest ways for you to learn it is in the air of your finances to say, you know what? I am going to give the way God says to give in the Bible, and I'm scared to death to do it, but I'm going to take this step, and I'm going to grow, and you will grow in faith, because God will honor that, and he will work in your lives. Let me just ask this real, real quick. How many of you would say that in your lives, when you've learned to give God's way, that it has made a huge difference, not just in your money, but your whole life? How many? All over the place, see? That's the reality. That is the truth. Now, if you've made bad choices in your finances, okay, now you're, well, I'm in a bind. I, got, I, I can't even repay all the bills I got, and now you're saying I need to give to God first. Well, let me tell you what. Make the hard choices now to give first, and then work out the problems that come because of it. Have the conversation with the creditor. and Say, listen, I've overextended myself. What can I do? What can we work out here? I want to pay you. I'm going to pay you but I can't pay this much any, every month. So the idea is, is put, you know what got you into trouble to begin with? Did you get into trouble financially to begin with because you were doing what God said? I think we know the answer to that, don't we? So do you think it's going to help you to get out of the trouble you're in by not doing what God says? Doesn't make sense, does it? So I'm telling you, if you're in trouble financially, the best thing you can possibly do is to start giving God's way. And can I say this to you? Yes, I can. It's based on the, the, the wisdom of the scripture. Stay out of debt. If you're in debt, work to get out of debt, and then stay out of debt. If you're not in debt, stay out of debt. Anybody think I'm, uh, I'm, quite, I'm not being clear enough? And by debt, I mean this. Use a key test, uh, the key test, okay? And here's the deal. If you owe money on something, and whether it's a car or a house, if you can't hand it back to the creditor and have the bill paid in full, you're in debt in a way that the Bible says you ought not be, Okay? So stay out of debt. The best step you will ever take is to get out of debt, stay out of debt, and begin giving God's way. It will change your whole life, including your finances. And by the way, a hard thing, living and giving God's way might, at this point in your life, require a standard of living downgrade. <gasps> this is America. <gasps> oh, you would be so much better off, so much more content 
such a better position in life if you had to lower your standard of living to you know, get an older car, a small, whatever, so you could give God's way. Be well worth it. All right, so give to God off the top. Give that fixed percentage. I, I would challenge you to go with 10% or more, of that, but that's between you and God. And then give something over that fixed percentage. Because what we don't want to have happen is, okay, let me get out my calculator. See, what am I giving to God this week? Okay. We want to say, no, I want to, I want to, I want to give something. <laughs> yeah, figure that out and say, okay, I'm going to give a dollar more. We're really tight right now. I'm going to give five dollars more. You see what I'm saying, though? Out of your heart, you can say, I want to give more. And so you worship God by adding something to that. Otherwise, it can just easily de- degenerate into a formula or some kind of contract in your thinking. You don't want to be there. And then finally, this giving to God is given to God through his church, no strings attached. No strings attached. Because you need to give this money to whom? To God. Yeah, you write the check or however you do it, you, you, you put it on, and you're giving it to Life Source Church because this is where God has you right now. This is your church family. But you're going to think, I'm giving this to God. Now, now we're, we're a church family, and we do have business meeting, and we do talk, and everybody can have input on things. You can have input as a church member anytime you want about finances, things. You have that. But you can't be giving to God and then say, oh, wow, I give that much. I better, oh, don't use it this way. Use it that way. You need to give it to God, or you haven't given it, right? Give it to God, no strings attached. This, is that not working today? Oh, okay. Has it been working at all the whole time? Ah, oh, I've, I've just seen these wonderful pictures in my mind the whole sermon. All right. That's all right, man. It's like old-fashioned time. Uh, find, a, find an envelope, a church-giving envelope. There's probably one in the pews there someplace. Find one. I was going to show you on the screen, but can't do that. And kind of, we're going to refer back to this again. But right there on the far left corner on the bottom, it says tithes and offerings. This is what we're talking about, this, this fixed percentage that you, every week you say, and, and an offering on top, of, I'm going to give this to God. That's where you write that down. And that money comes to the church, and the church uses it to pay the bills, to pay the, the pastors, I like that part, to, uh, you know, do the, the ministries here at the church, expenses. So that's what that money goes for, Okay. But it's very important that you write it down there because if you just put cash in the offering, you don't designate it, it will go into that fund, the general fund, okay? And you're going to see, though, if you, you want any money to go somewhere else, you're going to have to tell us. All right, so this is the starting point. If you're unwilling to give to God the way he has instructed us in his word, you're not truly surrendered to him in the area of finances. Don't expect his blessings in life for obedience in the area of finances if you're not giving And do expect your money to become a detrimental thing in your life if you're not giving to God this way. But if you do choose to surrender to the Lord, and you begin giving God's way, or maybe you already are, and you continue to give God's way, expect Him to bless you in your finances. And by that, I'm not just saying He'd make you rich. He might. He could. That's up to Him. But your finances will become a blessing to you. Your money will become good money, not evil money. 
You know, I, I, money, I think, is up there. It is the top factor in divorce in our country today. The, top, the main thing that people disagree about. Above the one you might expect. It's at the top. And, and because money can be an evil thing. But when we give to God and, and line it up his way, it becomes a blessing. In fact, surrender in this area is always a positive, life-changing decision. All right, let's go back into our text here. And I'm going to have to move along quickly here. Uh, verse 7. Let's go back to verse 6. So we urge Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. So this idea of giving is a grace thing. It's a grace-motivated, grace-empowered. It's not about some rule. Verse 7, but he says, But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. Learn to abound in giving. Verse 8, I speak not by commandment, but I'm testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. Now here's what I want you to see. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor that you through his poverty might become rich. We surrender to the Lord. Second thing we do is what? We grow to be like the Lord. Though he was rich, yet he became poor so that you who were poor might be rich. Talk about spiritual things, right? You know, at the very heart of God, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave something that was extremely costly to him, invaluable to him. And so if we are going to grow to be like the Lord, when it comes to money, you find that giving is a wonderful way to grow to be like the Lord. It's an awesome way. I mean, Jesus is the perfect expression of the heart of God in this area. And when you become a generous giver, and by the way, the Bible study lesson here later this morning is about learning to be a generous person. But when you become a generous giver, giving from the heart because you see an important need that, that you can do something about, you are becoming more and more like the Lord. And, and you're becoming poor in the sense of you're ending up with less so that others might have what they need. And this giving might be, look at your, your envelope again. This is the third one over from the left. The Benevolence Fund. This might be benevolence. You might say, you know, by the way, the Benevolence Fund, we we call the Deacons Fund here because the Deacons administer that. But what that fund is, is when a a need arises in someone's life here that, you know, something has happened. Uh, uh, Maybe it's a single mom and her car's broke down. Maybe it's someone who's been out of work and, you know, they're struggling to make ends meet. They don't have oil or they can't make the house payment. It's just a... Our deacons are, try to interact with our church family, and they will provide monies for those things. That's what this benevolence fund is. It's how we take care of each other, see? And when we give it like that and have it in there early because now it's available when it's needed. We don't all the time have to be coming and asking for money, see? And, and so uh, it's a great opportunity for you to say, you know, boy, I, I care about my church family. I love my church family. You know what? We're going to start putting $5 a week in the benevolence fund. It's not much. But if a bunch of us put $5 a week in, and by the way, you've always been generous in this. We appreciate it. So good. Deacons, is it good to be able to help people? It's awesome. 
So, uh, but see that? See, that's where you would write that down. If you said, hey, I want to give to help the, the needy in our church from time to time. So put it in the benevolence. Or there might be some other project on the far right there on that envelope. It says special offering, I think it says. You know, you could give, you could write down, I want this for the building, like when we had to finish the fire alarm system, you know, include the little mirror and all that. And by the way, downstairs, um, all throughout the downstairs, there are smoke detectors and heat detection now, and it's all wired into a, a box out here. But see, a bunch of you over the years had given to the building fund, so we were able to do that. There might be something else going on, like those chairs that we have out in the foyer. We have 50 chairs that somebody, God put it on their heart, and they said, I, will, I want to buy the chairs for us. And so it goes in special off. You see, this is what we're talking about, whether it's a little bit or a lot. It's becoming like Christ, becoming a generous person. And the more you become like the Lord, I mean, the more you become like the Lord, the more you'll want to give. And the more you give from your heart, the more you're going to become like the Lord. And it just grows and grows and grows. By the way, we can go the opposite way, couldn't we? We don't want to go the opposite way. Giving is a wonderful way to grow to be like the Lord. Now let's turn to Romans chapter 10. And Ray, I'm going to need a page number again. Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 13. Thirteen oh three. Thank you. Thirteen hundred and three. The Bible's in the pew there. Romans chapter ten. Start in verse thirteen. Paul says, "For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved." Boy, is that good news? You know, when we recognize that we sinned, we're separated from God. We failed to measure up. Jesus died for our sins, rose again from the dead. And when we realize that we're unsaved and we're on our way to hell and we say, I believe what Jesus did. And so we call upon him and say, God, I believe. Save me. Forgive my sins. Give me eternal life. What's it say? For whoever calls on the name of the Lord, what? Shall be saved. But then he goes on. He says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Let's stop right there. That's just a logical progression, right? Giving is an essential way to help tell others about the Lord. Giving is one of the ways that we are able to do that. You know, the Great Commission belongs to all of us, doesn't it? Go into all the world, preach the gospel. It belongs to all of us as individuals. It belongs to us together as a church. So we, we need to reach out and be witnesses, sharing our faith, but, and, and you know, inviting people to church activities. But what I want you to see here this morning is that this also involves supporting missionaries financially as a church. Do you, do you understand that, that the gospel... I don't, I've had to figure it out where the dateline is. We're probably almost to the end of Sunday for some places in the world, aren't we? We support missionaries where the gospel's been preached. will be preached, you know, all day today around the world. And they're there all throughout the rest of the week, working, reaching people. Do, can they just go up to the airlines and say, hey, listen, I don't have any money, but I'd like a ticket to go to India. Well, that's wonderful that you would like a ticket to go to India. No. <laughs> right? 
They can't, you know, do it with rent. Well, I'm working for Jesus. Well, then get money from Jesus. That's what they're going to tell you. Well, the church is the body of Christ. And so it is fitting and right that we, and we do, we support missionaries around the world. We send money to them. Some we send 150, some we send 400. Depends on where we're at in the life of our church when, when we began supporting them. But that is, this is how we get the gospel out around the world. And you need to be involved in that in some way, at some level. So look at your envelope again there. This is the second box from the left. Missions, it says faith promise missions. And this is where if you, and you should be involved at some level, like I said, whether it's 50 cents a dollar or $100, whatever. You need to say, okay, God, I care about what you care about. I want to tell those people around the world about you. And I can't go. I can pray for them, but I also I can give. And that's where you write it. And if you don't write it there on that place, it doesn't go to missions because we don't know that, see? You have to write it there. And by the way, let me encourage you to make sure that the money you put in there actually adds up to what you write in the boxes. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> you know, when you give to missions, you're involved in telling people about the Lord 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, year after year after year. And people will get saved because of this. You will meet, if you're involved in this, you will meet people in heaven who have been saved through one of those missionaries that you help support. And part of that credit then goes on your account and God will reward you for it. And to me, the people themselves seeing and meeting will be enough reward. You know? Giving is an essential way to help tell others about the Lord. So... Understand, giving connects with every part of your life as a Christian. It's how you demonstrate your surrender to the Lord. It's a way to grow to be like the Lord. And it's a crucial way to tell others about the Lord. So here's my challenge for you today. My challenge to you is this. If, if you call Life Source Church your home, that, that challenge you that you give that fixed percentage off the top to God with no strings attached off of all the money you earn that's given to you every week. And if you want a faith challenge, I challenge you to start at 10%. But like I said, you and God figure that out. Second thing, I want to challenge you to give something to benevolence, something. You know, as the Lord lays it on your heart or something to special offering, something. Say, God, what do you want us to do? What ways, you know, do you want us to be like you and give to something? And just do that. And then especially this. You listen now? I know it's been getting along. Especially this. To give an amount that is significant to you to missions every week. There have been times in my life where a dollar was a significant amount. It's not now. I mean, it is, but you understand what I mean. Now I need to be given a lot more than a dollar to missions. But say, God, I want to give a significant amount to missions every week. And by the way, if you're already doing all these things, I challenge you to, to go to God and say, God, do you want us to increase this? Do you want us to maybe add a percent to our, our fixed percentage? Do you want us to give more to missions? or to be Grow, okay? Let's grow, right? And know this, you cannot outgive God. He will honor your sincere heart as you respond faithfully to what his word says about giving. 
Some of you will remember the, the song that Ray Boltz wrote, Thank You. I'm not going to read it all to you, just parts of it. Talking about when a person went to heaven. It says, Then another man stood before you and said, Remember the time a missionary came to your church and his pictures made you cry? You didn't have much money, but you gave it anyway. Jesus took the gift you gave, and that's why I'm here today. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I'm so glad you gave. One by one they came, far as the eye could see, each life somehow touched by your generosity. Little things that you had done, sacrifices made unnoticed on earth, in heaven now proclaimed. And I know up in heaven, you're not supposed to cry. But I'm almost sure there were tears in your eyes as Jesus took your hand and you stood before the Lord. He said, my child, look around you. And the words aren't in it, but at all of these people who are here, because you gave, great is your reward. It will absolutely, absolutely be worth it forever for you to take this knowledge that you have about money and put it into action, starting with your giving. You'll never regret it. And like, I mean, never. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and that you speak to us so pointedly about things. Thank you for your spirits speaking those words to us, specifically to each of us. And I pray, Father, that you would continue to work in our lives. I thank you, Father, for so many people here who have already learned these lessons. I pray you'll encourage them in it. And continue to grow them in it. Give them a powerful testimony for you in it. Lord, this is an area where we, we want to see you and can see you work in our lives. And so I pray, Father, for those who are struggling here today, you know, this is a big thing because of where they come from in life. I pray that you just keep tugging at their hearts and they'd finally just take that step and, and begin giving the way you say. And I ask you, Lord, to work in their lives so clearly that they will see that they can trust you to do, what they, to do what you say. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.